2: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 101.7 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.
1: So this is is what you're going to do today? Just not going to say anything? The Mute Show with Derek Johnson and Nick
0: Springer. Anything else you'd like to add? No, that's it. Right. This is the, I don't this know. It. I don't know. This is RCST on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. It's gonna be a fun show today. Hopefully, they're all fun. Yeah, we're shows. not gonna talk
1: for three hours.
0: We're gonna sit here in silence. Yeah, just stare at each other. You'll <laughs> feel the intensity coming through the microphones. Uh, Michael Swain of 247 SportsFog.net is gonna join us at 340 talk KU football recruiting. Speaking of which, KU football has a commitment for the class of 2024. Carter Lavrusky, we'll another about one. That. Yeah, another one uh, coming up here in about 20-25 minutes from right now. I'm looking forward to this segment. You're probably not um, top 10 drafts. <laughs> well, I just, you gave me some flack when for you this explained earlier. Explain
1: the concept to me. I just didn't. <laughs>
0: yeah, I didn't understand top exactly 10 drafts. What? <laughs> All sorts of drafts, dude. Um, we have another episode of Do We Give a Bleep? And then we're gonna have a KU basketball deep dive because I was going back and I was looking. At how often certain freshmen play based on how high or low their recruiting ranks were, which could maybe give us some insight into how history would apply to this year's team and uh, how much maybe certain guys would play. So looking forward to that. But right off the top here, a little KU football talk. Um, I want to do this today, and then tomorrow we'll do the other side of it. Uh, So tomorrow we're going to do the things you have the most questions about. With the KU football three phases, offense, defense, special teams. Today we are going to do things you are most sure about with the KU football three phases offense, defense, special teams. I like teams. this positivity. Make
1: sense? Positivity, first. And then
0: crushing and it. Then just <sighs> <laughs> Were you a were you a dessert first and then
1: like vegetables no. after?
0: Can't no, I was I was big finish it and then you get on to the good stuff. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's how I always was with, like, homework growing up, too. I was like, just get it done, and then I'll oh, no, mess around, hang out with friends, play video games, was, whatever it is.
1: I was the complete opposite.
0: Really? Yeah. You are a procrastinator?
1: Oh, dude. Well, first of all, when it came to my homework, I didn't even really do it most of the time. <laughs> That's number one. But then, well, I don't know. I When I was younger, I definitely did a pretty good job of doing it. Uh, but then, like, when I got to high school, well, especially when I got to, like, when I started getting into classes that I really did not like, like chemistry and physics, I would just, uh, in fact, in chemistry, I would just find the smartest kid in the class. And then I'd be like, hey, can, we, can I like, check my answers against your answers to see if we got the same thing? And then i would just copied. it. Oh, my gosh. this <laughs> is genius.
0: Uh, you're going to get your high school diploma ripped away.
1: But then one of the kids actually caught on and he, and he stopped. He would, me, he would let me look at his stuff anymore. Unbelievable.
0: Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, let's start with the offense for KU football. Things you are most sure about. Does anything jump out or, or stick out to you? Uh,
1: okay. I, I, I think the most obvious one is quarterback, but there is a caveat. The caveat being injuries. Like, I can sit here and say I'm most sure that Jalen Daniels is going is really to good. be impactful and, and be really good. But what if he gets hurt again? Then suddenly I'm not so sure. So I don't actually I'm not actually gonna use put that one in there. Because I don't there's I mean, I guess you could say you're sure about the depth because you still have Jason Bean. So even if Jalen Daniels gets hurt, then you still feel pretty confident. I would say I I
0: feel good about them having solid quarterback play no matter
1: what, even if it is Jason Bean. yes, Yes. You feel pretty good about them having serviceable quarterback play. Even if even if there is more injuries again. Uh, so, yeah, I guess you can throw that one there because of the fact that you feel pretty good about the serviceable aspect of it. So, that's fine. Uh, the I think what I feel most good about is the tight end situation slash offensive line. Your tight end room has Mason Fairchild back, who really had, a I guess, a breakout season last year would be a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Jared Casey, Colt hero. Trevor Cardell, who is a guy that seems really talented, but... Because of the fact that you have two other tight ends, he doesn't get used as much. But so you have three really, really solid tight ends. So I think that's probably what you feel the most. Comp- that's what I feel the most confident about. And then with the offensive line, you have some key returners, but you did lose on the outside. You're, but you brought in a guy like Logan Brown, who I think generally you anticipate is going to be a solid tackle, but that's not a guarantee. So, overall, you feel but you feel pretty good about it, right? You feel pretty good about the offensive line. When you go to the receivers, everybody's back from a group that I would say, based on preseason expectations, vastly overachieved last season. I think that's fair? Right? I would think so. Statement. Based oh, yeah. on preseason expectations. Mm-hmm. So, my concern with the wide receiver room is, what if there is a little bit of regression to the mean a little bit? What if there is a little bit of stagnation there, right? Like, I think generally, based on the season they had last year, it feels to me like there's a lot of expectations over the summer of what if Lawrence Arnold is, like, a first-team all-conference receiver? What if Luke Grimm is, like, one of the better slot receivers in the conference? What if Quentin Skinner becomes a legitimate, bona fide, really, really good deep threat? Those things all could be possible. But based on where we were last season at this time, that was the position group that you had the most concern about or that you were least confident in. And then obviously they went out and performed very, very, very well. So they've certainly earned the right to be a position group that you expect to be successful this season. But I'm just saying, like, I, I don't – I'm not – my expectations for them, I'm not going to basically jump my expectations for, for that group from where it was last season to this season being like, well, what if this is a you know an elite group? I don't want to – I don't want to go that far. I think they'll be solid, but I think there's a possibility they might be either just as good as last season, which would be great, mm-hmm. or maybe a little bit worse. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So that's my concern with the wide receiver room: is that they vastly overachieved last season, and is that going to possibly inflate expectations for them coming into this season a yeah. bit too much? Okay.
0: Let's let's hold it right there for a second. Okay. Um. Let's try to stay focused on the positives. Just because oh, we'll yeah, we'll positives. keep the negatives for you know the, the tomorrow site. My um, bad. I I f- I think you feel confident that the receivers do have that high floor. Um. Of being yes. at least good enough to make the uh, to emphasize the QB play part of it, right? Yes. And I and I would throw the tight ends tight ends in that discussion too. I think oh, I feel yeah. very certain the that they're going to get good production. Probably
1: the group I feel the best about. Yes. In terms of production.
0: Yeah. For sure. Um, now now do some of um I don't know do, does anybody break out in this change from being a, a very high floor position group or position groups to being a great one possibly but I I just feel there's there's a very good like high level floor here that even the worst situation happening you feel even good and I think even like, I, I do feel kind of good about the depth of the receiver room. I know we didn't get to see a ton of, like, Doug Amelian or a ton of Tanaka Scott or Trevor Wilson, but, like, I think there's talent there from those guys. That it's yes. just the the guys in front of them were just really good. Luke Grimm was really good. Lawrence yeah. Arnold was really good. Quentin Skinner was really good. You even have, like, Kevin Terry. You have Saraz Buncombe, who joined early as a, a freshman and, and was your highest uh, graded uh, freshman receiver coming in. So I don't know, man. I, I feel really good about the floor kind of of, of that position.
1: Yeah, and I also feel pretty confident in the running back room. Or I guess I should rephrase. feel pretty confident that Kansas' run game will be effective. Uh, I think we kind of touched on this a little bit last week or earlier this week about the idea that with KU's run game, it, part of its effectiveness was Andy Koenicki skimming it up and then running the triple option with either Jalen Daniels or Jason Bean. But you're going to have Daniel Highshaw back. You're going to have Devin Neal still, obviously. And so you've got the guys there to continue to be impactful in your ground game and I, I think maybe that is something also that I would say I feel pretty confident with the K offenses I feel confident that they are going to be pretty balanced I feel pretty confident that this is going to be an offense that can be effective both on the ground and through the air like I don't think this is an offense that's going to that you're going to feel like is going to be heavily reliant on one or the other and if like you know like if it's third and ten you're thinking oh crap how are they going to convert right. this with through the air? Or if it's third and four, you're thinking, is the run game good enough to get four yards? I feel like both those answers are yes. I think that they're going to be pretty balanced and can and are going to be able to be a little bit multiple with what their offense does. Uh, and I think a lot of that also stems from Andy Cole, Nicky, and his play calling and his how he wants to run the offense. But I would feel pretty confident in that because I think you have a pretty balanced offensive line, a veteran offensive line, that is going to be able to get some push and make some things happen in the run game. You have a tight end group that is very versatile in terms of run blocking. I mean, I think Jared Casey was their best graded run blocker like almost every game last year. Yeah, I mean, right? he,
0: he was awesome at, at setting like key blocks around yeah. the edge. Yeah. yeah,
1: plus Mason Fairchild through the air. Obviously, with Jalen Daniels, his legs and his arm, and even if you want to, by extension, Jason Bean, who is last year was considered the fastest guy on the team. So I, I have a lot of confidence that the offense is going to be balanced to where even if it's like, Third and four, third and five, third and six. You could feasibly say, okay, okay, you could get this first down mm-hmm. on the ground or through the air. They're not. I don't think they're. You're going to see very many games where they become one dimensional. And I guess unless they're like down big and they have to throw it a bunch or whatever. But this is an offense to me that I feel pretty confident is going to be balanced yeah. in terms of their run and their passing game.
0: Yeah, I, I think the best way, the more I think about it, going back to what I said about the receiver and tight ends group, I, I think I would almost describe the entire offense that way, minus quarterbacks. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe you would describe it this way with quarterbacks, but it's just a very high floor offense. Like, of course, there's there's ways that the offense doesn't get much Com- better. Compared to previous KUIs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, well, your, your offensive line, I, I don't know, it might take the leap from good to great. Your running backs might take the leap from good to great if, if you get healthy guys. Uh, your receivers might take the leap from good. All that stuff might happen. It, just, it feels like there are a lot of things that we know and that worked at least well enough that we feel like the floor is very high, that this should be like a top 40 offense in the country. We know they have a good offensive coordinator. I think the difference between them being because all of these units are at least solid. I think the difference in them being like a top 40 offense in the country versus being maybe a top 15 offense in the country is just the healthy quarterback play stuff, right? Yeah. Like the quarterback yeah. play part of this is where you have all the uh, everything here raises the floor. The quarterback play is what could raise the ceiling.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah, the quarterback play is what takes you from good to great. Mm-hmm. Is what takes you from a solid offense to a really elite offense. And we saw it with Jason with Jalen Daniels last season, and even and you know even Jason Bean had some games where he played really really well, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you look at the Oklahoma game; he wasn't really in it, but it, but Jason Bean made some nice plays in that game, made some really good throws. Uh, you look at you know the TCU game, in the second half, he was pretty good to be honest. Besides the one interception, so I think yes, you feel pretty good about having solid quarterback play between those two guys. Assuming you know, we obviously hope Jalen Daniels can stay healthy, but. You feel good enough to where, with a high floor from the rest of your offense, if you can get serviceable quarterback play, you'll be pretty solid. If you can get really strong quarterback play, then you will be potentially even better than that, which is really, really exciting. Really, really exciting for KU. Because, again, we, we touched on it yesterday with the idea of when's the last time KU has had this much returning continuity in terms of returning quarterback play, returning offensive coordinator, and then you throw in the rest of the offense returning as well. That's that's very, very exciting. And that's one of the reasons why this is a, uh, a KU football team that has some of the most excitement around it since you know in the last fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Because you you had a successful season last season relative to what KU football had been in the past dozen years prior to that, and you bring back a significant majority of last season's team, plus you maintain all of your coach all of your top coaches coming back as well. Yeah, that's definitely a huge reason why you would expect KU to take a jump. And when you look at the offense, it probably will come down to health. But if all things stay the same and and you manage to you know avoid the the injury bug too much, this is an offense that has the potential to be really really explosive. Okay, let's move to
0: the defense. Uh, for me, I I think there's the secondary should be good. I I am worried that. I, I think the secondary is the strength of the defense. I'm yes. worried that we're viewing it as a strength nationally. And like, what if what if it's just you have like one really good player in Kobe Bryant, and then like you have a bunch of like average or above average players, you know? And that's your best it's, unit. It's, like, what does that get you? That's right.
1: What you had last year, right? Yeah,
0: but I will say like uh, the secondary should be at least solid. You know that that's yeah. part of it. I don't know how good the linebacking core is going to be, but I feel like they'll be better than they were last year.
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those situations where it's like. If you have all the same guys back, you expect them to take some step forward, mm-hmm. right? Which that's obviously not a guarantee. Uh, that's one of my favorite things about NCAA football 14, that old football game. is like you could have the worst players, but no matter what, because it's, a, you know, with the computer, they always get better always. Yeah, right, Every right. offseason they get better. Which, you know, progress is not linear, but no, in NCAA not. football 14... It is, yeah, in that yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. so that's that's what I always uh, think of whenever I get into these discussions about well, you know, this, this group should be better. They're all back. Yes, in a vacuum, in the, you know, in computer world, yes, they would be better. <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily always work that way. But I think you do have to feel confident because you know, Craig Young is a dynamic player who can be kind of an X Factor type guy with the linebacker core, I guess, linebacker slash nickel slash safety slash whatever. Incident. Hawk, yeah. <laughs> Fill in the blank. Uh, so, but you know, so you feel pretty good about that. And I think what uh, Rich Miller to me is maybe one of the most impressive players on this team from a leadership perspective, from an off the field perspective. Every time we talk to him, he's phenomenal. He has, he's so insightful. He has such interesting things to say. Uh, He clearly, clearly cares very deeply about being successful and about working really hard to get KU to where they want to go. And he's, you know, one of the leaders of this team off the field. Uh, So he's a guy that just individually I root for him because he just, I think he does everything right the right way and really demonstrates what it should Mm. mean to be a KU football player, which is really, really cool. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm skeptical of saying that I like have the most confidence in the linebacker room. I think you have to look at the secondary uh, for that to say, like, this is the position group that I feel the most confident in. Uh, because, you know, Kobe Bryant, preseason first team, right? You bring back Kenny Logan, who was a preseason first team last season and then maybe didn't perform to those expectations, but he was still really solid. You have O.J. Burroughs, who universally, from the coaching staff perspective, is praised as one of the best cover guys they have from the safety position. Melo Dotson, you even brought in a couple transfers as well with McGee, and you still have Kalen Gervin as well. So that's a position group that I think should be the strength of this defense. And I feel pretty good about that. I feel pretty good about the secondary being being pretty solid. Now, the issue is, like, you can have a really, really good secondary if you can't get any pressure that's going to break down eventually but that's i guess we'll get to that later.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so like i don't know there i i do feel like though there is less sh- you're sure about with the defense and the offense oh, and sure. that does make sense. Yeah, for sure. sure. Uh last up is special teams. I don't know how much we can know about like the actual return games. We don't really know who's going to be returning kicks. We don't know how it's going to look. We don't We're know who's going to be returning punts. Potentially Jason B. Yeah, potentially Jason B, which which tells you how i guess wide open it could possibly be. Um, we don't, like as much as we you would like to think, oh the punter they're bringing in from Australia, he'll be a improvement and the bar on that is is low enough that it should be an improvement. We don't know. We've never seen the guy. I do feel good about the one thing on special teams is that it just in general should be better. And part of that's because you weren't very good last year. Part of that's because of the additions you made in the transfer portal. Part of that's because of Sean Snyder coming in. I feel like just in general, they should be better. How much better? I don't know. But the main <laughs> reason for me to think that is because the specific addition, like, Okay, with your kicking game, with your kicking and punting game, yeah. it, of course, like the guys have to block and go make tackles and whatever. <laughs> but at the end of the day, your success as a punting and place kicking unit, it really does just come down to how good is that player? How yeah. good is that punter? How good is that kicker? And with the kicker, I, I mean, we have collegiate evidence that Seth Keller is a good college kicker, and we have collegiate evidence that the last couple of years, KU has not had, I mean, they've had the worst kicking in the Big 12, just percentage-wise, whatever number you want to look at there. That on its own should be an improvement, and maybe that's an extra win over I've, the course of the I
1: forgot year. to tell you, but I actually, I went to Australia. And you I did? Saw, yeah. I took a trip to Australia, and I wow. saw the, the punter. When did
0: you squeeze that trip in? Because
1: that's like yeah, a 24-hour no, plane was ride. A, you know, it was a quick trip. I just got down mm. there. and uh, Went down there, you know, saw him, came back? Went down there, saw him, kicked kick some punts, and I was like, yeah, oh, that's pretty good. Okay. And then I came back. <laughs> pretty good. Okay. So, I, so I, you I'm think he's listen. good? Yeah. Yeah, okay. no, I just took a little day trip down to Australia. All right. And, uh, you know. Well, you heard <laughs> it here <laughs> first from
0: uh, Nick Springer. <laughs> I, I don't think he's lying at all. Definitely take this everything little, he just said. This
1: little day trip to Australia. Well, do, do
0: you feel the same way with the special teams that,
1: like, uh, yes. you
0: don't know how much better it's going to be? It just like you feel like it will be better.
1: Yes, I would agree with all that. I except I okay. Did the spring showcase? Didn't exactly inspire a ton of confidence, but they were they were rotating.
0: No, in, like, I get it. It's like
1: it's the spring showcase, right? Like, I'm what you know. What am I supposed to take? Away we from
0: saw that? Seth Keller kick or Seth, Seth Keller kick what twice? I think he kicked three times,
1: once, and then I think uh Owen P. Yeah, kicked once. Yeah, and what do you think he missed. It was just like a rotation. There were like four kickers. Owen, and it's like, yeah, I
0: think Owen Salt and Pepper. They're was. not really. <laughs> they're not releasing a four deep of the kickers. You just need one. You just need one. It's not, you know, running backs. Hey, babe, so you gotta injuries
1: have can happen to any They
0: could. But if if an injury happens to your kicker, it's like, okay, well, you just shrug your shoulders <laughs> and go, well that you know, nothing but we yeah, could have no, done.
1: No, I, I follow everything you're saying there. Where yeah. you there I mean, it's it's the saying where if you're at rock bottom, you can't I mean you can't get any worse than last in terms of kicking percentage. That what do you want you want to get worse than that? No, you can't. So, yes, I follow. I feel pretty confident that there will be some level of improvement from that position group.
0: Okay. All right, well, uh, we'll do the negative side of this tomorrow, things that we have the most questions about. doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bad, just things we have questions. Like, for instance, last year, one of the things on questions would have been receivers, we just didn't know, and that ended up being a strength of the team. So uh, you never know. These are more questions than negatives. But we'll do that tomorrow. I am
1: confident. KU's going to win the national championship.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, That is something I have a question on. All right. Michael Swain of uh, fog.net will join us in 15 minutes. KU football recruiting. Come on up next. We'll talk about one of the newest commits for KU, Carter Lavrusky. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and we're joined now by a special guest, Michael Swain of 24-7 Sports and Fog.net joining us on the show today. Carter Lavrusky is the latest commit for KU football in what is becoming a very burgeoning class of 2024, 13 commits in tow now. I know the rankings constantly changing. I think seven top 1,000 commits at this point in time. Uh, Let's start with just what this means for the offensive line. Lavrusky becomes the third offensive line commitment that KU has. Do do you envision them being done there, and what do you think their
2: envisionment
0: of those three players moving forward in the program is going to be?
2: Yeah, so I think probably they'll be done. I think that's got to be a big caveat because the staff has shown that, like last year with Jacoby Davis, if really good players are available late on in the cycle and they want to go to Kansas – they're not necessarily in the position of turning down talented football players who want to be at KU. But I think right now the feeling is this will probably do it for the offensive line at the moment. You've got three commits right now, like you mentioned, with Carter Leveruski. He's probably the, the most true tackle of the group. You know, good size at six foot six, about 265, 270 pounds. He's a guy that has a multi-sport background, right? He did some basketball, did some track. So he's a pretty good athlete that's going to have to put on weight in college, but I think fits the profile of what KU wants in an offensive tackle, a guy that can move, um, good leverage, good long arms, like he checks all those boxes. Um, you look at someone like Kenny Nene from Minnesota, who they got last week, he's someone that kind of could play either one. He's six foot five, but he's got really, really long arms, I think 34-inch arms, which would have been, I think, tied 12th. At the combine, if he was obviously eligible for it, and that's pretty good. So he's going to have to put on weight, I think get stronger, more powerful, but he's a guy that I think could be a little bit close to, you know, I think Hakeem and Danage probably is the ceiling, but someone like that, where I think could play tackle, I think could also have the ability to play guard depending on how much weight he's able to put on, the strength. And then you've also got someone in Harrison Utley, who is definitely an interior guy, about 6'3", Two hundred seventy-five pounds, really high IQ. Um, obviously, has a lot of Ivy League offers, and is a smart guy. So I think he's someone that could play center long term. He ha- definitely has the brain power to do it. Um, just a question of you know is that kind of the position? But he's going to be on the interior. So basically, in the end of the day, right now, three commits, a true tackle, a true interior guy, and kind of a swing guy, in Kenny and.
0: Talking with Michael Swain here of Fog.net. You can go check out some of the awesome offers that they're giving to subscribe and become a member there. Um, Now overall, when you look, though, with the class, with with this latest commitment, 13 in tow, how many more guys do you think they will take in the high school class?
2: I think probably three or four. You look at defensive end being probably the biggest in need right now. They want to take two. But right now, you know they've hosted several for visits, but it really looks like kind of Deshaun Warner is the big guy that they're in for right now. We'll see what kind of the next week brings with him. Um, defensive tackle, I think they'd like to take one, but if they don't get a, a high upside guy, then they probably won't. Right now, Tyler Simmons from Florida is the guy to watch. There, about six foot four, two hundred seventy pounds. He's a guy that you know, traditionally it might be more of a defensive end and like a three-man front, but KU's going to have him play as an athletic three-technique defensive tackle. So I think for me, you look at this class, right, those are kind of the three positions, and then it's a question of, all right, does maybe a another safety come along that really impresses, does, um, you know, if they're able to get Nick Marsh, which looks unlikely, but he's a guy they'll make room for. And so I think right now you're looking at this probably being about a, a 16-man class at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, and, and to your point on what you said on the first answer, I'm sure it could be flexible enough. But what does it say that the class uh, or, or that the coaches have been able to do this? You know, already now, like does does knocking out pretty much all of their commits this early on in the summer does that allow them for more time during the? Uh, fall season to, I don't know, game plan or just keep recruiting their current guys or uh, spend time elsewhere that, that would be normally used on trying to fill out that high school class?
2: Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. And I think you look at, you know, I can use a few people as an example, right? Andy Kodlonecki coaching tight ends. You know, Carson Brune has been committed for, you know, two months now, three months. You know, he's a guy that Andy Kodlonecki spent the month of May and June when he's out evaluating. He's looking at the next class. He's not worried about, okay, what tight end am I going to get in for a visit this June or who do I have to recruit into next year? That's huge. And you could even see this past Sunday where KU hosted a bunch of you know, junior rising juniors, class of 2025, for visits. And just being able to put more time and effort into that next class is really going to help with the relationships, right? You look at some of these guys that are committing this summer, right? You look at the offers. A lot of them are going back to last fall, last December, and now the coaching staff has the ability to really get a head start on that 2025 class. That's gonna be huge. I think continuing continuing to put effort in recruiting these guys through signing day is gonna be really important, right? You got talented guys that other Power Five schools want. So you have to keep recruiting them to make sure that they stay in the class. And so I think overall getting so many commits this early is huge because it just allows so much more flexibility of how the staff can spend their time recruiting, where they're not so focused on How are we going to fill these spots in this class going into August, September, October, November, right? They're kind of done with that. And now it's just where can they put their time and energy to really kind of get a head start on the next class.
0: What do you most attribute to having this much success? Because right now, I mean, you go back to 2010, which was the, I think you've referred to it as the, uh, uh, the online recruiting era, I think that's when 24-7 sports and the composite became a thing. And this would obviously be KU's best recruiting class in terms of ranking if it ended today. Now, uh, mm-hmm. we'll see where it ends up being ranked because obviously if they're not bringing in as many kids as they were, you know, and yep. those classes are 25-30. But just the, the quality of player, this seems to be the best class that the KU has put together. Well, What do you attribute to this type of success that KU
2: is having on the recruiting trail? I think it's a few things. You know, you look at – so let's start with last fall, right? College game day coming to KU I think is huge, right? And I think we said it at the time that it's the type of thing that can really help you recruiting-wise because everybody in the country watches that show. And to see it for one week, right, they only get, what, 13 or 14 of them where they're actually on a campus. For one of those 13 or 14 weeks, they were at KU. And that gets a lot of eyeballs on the program and opens the door. And so I think KU was able to get in the door with a lot higher of a caliber prospect. Now, from there, the coaches, I think, know a lot more what their strengths are and then how they're going to recruit is they're just going to be honest and they're going to say, Hey, this is where we really excel with our players. And this is the parts of the program we're going to try and continue to build. And why we want you to come is because you can help us build this. And so I think you add that, those two things together, and then you mix in the fact that I think the visits that they've been able to put together, right, you look at that first weekend in particular, they're really impressive. And I think recruits, I think Austin Alexander said it, right, he didn't expect Kansas to be like that. And I've heard that so many times, you know, this summer where kids have left campus said, yeah, that's not what I expected, and it's positive. And so I think you wrap all of these things together, and it creates a class that in terms of like average, right, about an 86.5 rating, which you look at the past classes and is typically kind of 84, 85 is the average. So taking a huge step forward, and you're right, though, you know, and they're not going to get 20 commits in this class. So it's not going to be a, a top 35 class at the end of the day. But it's one of those where just the average, average overall quality is so high that I think all these things wrapped in together really create this class.
0: How important does this season become in terms of the wins and losses to keep? A lot of these kids and, and the commitments in tow. Like, I, I don't know. Is there is there a certain number that they need to get to in terms of uh, keeping that momentum going forward?
2: Yeah, a, a, num- a win totals hard, but they should have to win games and have to be competitive. Right? There can't be those games like we saw last year against Oklahoma, against Texas, against Baylor, where you know, regardless of what the final score said, right? Fans could probably turn that game off in the second quarter or third quarter and feel okay about their choice and knowing what the result is going to be. Can they avoid those types of games? Can they be competitive in a lot of these games? Because it's a lot easier to sell recruits on, hey, we lost a coin flip game to you know UCF at home. Well, hey, look, if you come here, you are the difference between us winning and losing that game. It's a lot easier to sell them on that than it is, oh, man, we just got blown out. Like, that's that's really hard to sell. And so I think you look at it Be more competitive. I think obviously getting to another bowl game would be absolutely massive in terms of just showing consistency in year-over-year growth. If they are, able to be more competitive. So winning games cures all in recruiting, right? And this class doesn't happen if KU doesn't win six games last year. And so they're going to need to win more games this fall. And if not, I mean, they have to be competitive. Like there can't be very many blocks this fall.
0: There's been a lot of talk about the pipelines that Chris Simpson, Jordan Peterson have been able to establish Mm -hmm. are those the two main guys here or I guess what other assistant coaches have have kind of had the biggest hand in in all of this
2: yeah I think those two have been pretty big Um, you just look at what Kansas has done right getting two or three Arizona kids when KU has not recruited out of Arizona unless your last name is Lassiter right that's just (laughs) not happened and so then you look at what has happened in terms of you know Chris Simpson recruiting Detroit getting someone like Jalen Todd on board. I think those two are the the staff members that have done a really good job. I will say I I think that Jonathan Wallace recruiting the running back position has done a really good job, right, getting in early on Red Martel, getting him committed. And then you look at someone like Harry Stewart. I mean, Devin Neal's been so great for Kansas the last few years, and you turn on his film and he looks just like Devin Neal. And so I think those are kind of the staff members that have really caught my attention, at least on the recruiting trail in terms of evaluating Building relationships and then kind of continuing that through over the course of a recruiting process.
0: Is there a position that's left out there that maybe they haven't targeted or that you think makes the most sense for them to continue targeting to add more to that position at this point still left in the class?
2: Yeah, it's definitely a defensive end. Like they need more young defensive ends. I think that's honestly, you look at the roster construction overall, it is a glaring hole. And I think they've done a pretty good job of trying to fill that with guys like Austin Booker, guys like Dylan Brooks, but they need young players, right? They need true freshmen that are gonna come in, develop under Matt Gildersleeve, and spend two years really working on their bodies, working on their craft before they're able to go out and play on Saturdays. And so right now you're looking at the room, right? You've kind of got three guys who are in more or less that senior category and Patrick Joyner and Hayden Hatcher, who are both done after this year. There's Jeremy Robinson. Has a decision to make after this year and then after that you're looking down the list and it's like okay he's got Booker and Brooks but Dean Miller hasn't really come along we don't know what Davion Westmoreland's going to look like and then you're down to a freshman in Tony Terry so I really think getting two defensive ends in this class is going to be really imperative just for the overall health of that position group going forward.
0: From an in-state perspective uh, not a lot of local kids necessarily obviously last year KU was able to land uh, a couple big ones with Jaden Ham and Calvin Clements kind of uh, mm-hmm. before the clock struck midnight. Uh, what do you and i don't know how the class of 2024 is in kansas first 23 because obviously the 23 one was pretty spectacular but it seems like that uh takes a little bit longer to make those inroads in state than than maybe it does out of state with trying to convince these people who have been watching the program over the last couple of decades i know uh kevin flaherty uh, talks about how the class of 2025 could be pretty special here for the state of kansas how is the staff making inroads there in state and uh what do you see the future of that being for the program
2: yeah for sure i think right now um this 2024 class uh, is pretty poor in terms of the overall state right i think there's a guy you look overall right in terms of total offers they only have four in-state offers in this class right now right that's not a lot when you look at the next class 2025 guys that haven't even played their junior season yet they've already got seven in-state offers so you're looking at almost double the offers for a class that hasn't even played their junior season yet. So you look at this in-state class, right? Caden Massey seems like he might go to Oklahoma. We'll have to see Michael Boganowski probably going to K-State. John Price already committed to K-State. And then B.J. Kennedy wraps up the offers for KU, and he's someone that's really struggled with injuries. So is he going to be able to have a healthy fall where maybe KU circles back in some way or another? But I think overall this next class, 2025, is – where I think you're really going to see KU take a step forward because this class was so small in terms of the overall talent pool. And then the 2023 class, KU came in kind of late in terms of building relationships with those guys where they were hired in that April and they really didn't have, you know, two years to build relationships where I think now they have that opportunity with the 2025 class.
0: How impactful do you think are some of the current guys that they do have in tow from in-state and helping that out, whether it's the guys who we're going to see a lot on the field like your Devin Neals and Jared Casey's or even some of your other guys who, who maybe are going through the program right now might have redshirted last year have been in the program now for a year or two and and maybe could eventually crack that kind of too deep here
2: yeah I think it's helpful right And I think Devin Neal's probably a really good example and I know he is a pretty active recruiter right I know he talked last year to to guys like you know Calvin Clements and I think this year he talked to Michael Boganowski about, hey, stay in state and go to Kansas and be a part of building something. I think that's been kind of the big message from him on the recruiting trail. And I think you gotta give credit to him for wanting to go out there and help because I think you can't blame guys for saying, Oh, I'm a little tool for that or I'm a star now. I don't have to do that. I think he's done that. And so now it's just about continuing to show that this staff can develop those in state players, right? They've shown it with Devin Neal. Can they show it with a Calvin Clements or a Jaden Ham over the next two seasons where then you really have more kind of pelts on the wall, for lack of a better term, to say, hey, look at these players who we have brought in and developed from the state of Kansas. Come be the next version of that. And that's when I think things will really, really start to snowball for KU.
0: As far as for the immediate with the transfer portal, KU landed a a Mm -hmm. defensive lineman, and then they were still going after Kari Manns, which uh, they didn't end up getting, but I guess that would maybe imply there was still another scholarship there. Do do you see them filling that in some way via the transfer portal, or or do you think that could come down to somebody like a Jacoby Davis who maybe there were plans for him to to gray shirt previously?
2: Yeah, I think they'll end up using that scholarship on Jacoby Davis. Um, I think he'll be in Lawrence. This weekend, next weekend, um, I think he's going to enroll this summer. Um, That's kind of the plan right now for KU. So that's where they're going to use that scholarship spot. I don't think right now really you're going to see too many football players entering the transfer portal as grad transfers, right? They're pretty late on in the process here. So I think in terms of portal, KU's done for the season. I think they're going to use that spot towards Jacoby Davis, and then from there kind of see what happens in the fall, Um, and then they'll start the cycle again in December. He is Michael Swain. You can check out all
0: his work, Fog.net, with 24-7 Sports, and uh, subscribe, become a, a member of the board and everything. Michael, uh, do you have any promos going on or anything you want to talk about, anything you want to plug before we let you go?
2: Yeah, thanks, Derek. We've got something going on right now. If you want to sign up and you haven't before, you can join for about $4.50 a month. That's for the next year. So basically gets you through all of football season through the football offseason basketball basketball offseason gets you through the full year pretty good value overall and uh i think it's a great deal it's running out though at the end of this week it'll be over gone see you later so make sure you take advantage this week
0: all right that's michael swain 24 7 sports Fog.net. michael appreciate the time as always man awesome thanks Derek. all right thanks to michael for uh, hopping on the show here this is rock chalk sports talk with nick springer i'm Derek johnson one hour down Two to go. We'll talk some more KU football coming up throughout the show. We've also got another edition of Do We Give a Bleep. Um, We're going to do a little deep dive on KU basketball at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. How much should you expect a freshman to play in year one based on where they come in in the uh, recruiting rankings over past history? We also have a top 10 draft. That's coming up next of top 10 drafts. So top 10 drafts, we'll be doing that next on RCST. Nick's already rolling his eyes, thinks this is going to be stupid, but we'll find out next on KLWN, Depend on it. 4 o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Coming up in uh, our next segment, we'll talk some more KU football. Then we have another edition of Do We Give a Bleep after that. A little KU basketball deep dive into how much freshmen play, depending on where they're ranked. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, and then, uh, yeah, we'll continue on with the show from there. Okay, but right now, I'm very excited for this one. Nick is not. I'm I'm, I'm more curious than anything. Okay, I have a top 10 list of drafts in front of me. That's right, uh, drafts, D-R-A-F-T-S. Uh, let's start with the honorable mention. I actually have four honorable mention. Wow. See, my issue was I couldn't even think of
1: 10 drafts.
0: Oh, no, I, I have plenty on here. Yeah, clearly. Uh, honorable really? mention rough draft. A rough draft, honorable mention. You started something. You started brainstorming. That's you started lame. putting some work down, but it's lame. not on the top 10. It's not on the top 10. Lame. It's just a rough draft. Uh on also an honorable okay. mention. Yeah, you could you can't what? put a rough draft in the top 10 because it's, it's a not. rough draft of the draft. Yeah, list. that's true. Uh also honorable mention drafting a letter. I Feel like an, an something we need to do more Dude, of. Do we live in the 1700s? There's there's a personal touch to drafting a letter. Yeah. You get a letter in the You're mail? Living in 750. Take my dog for a walk. I pick up my mail. I'm like, ooh, somebody sent me a letter. Cool. You know? Uh, also, honorable mention, draft kings. Okay. Fine. Sports gambling fun. You know, sure. do it responsibly, sure. but fine. fun. Whatever. Okay. Um, also, the draft is in like the military draft. Support the troops. Also, sure. though, I didn't put a military draft on the top 10 because, in good nature, that means that we're having a war and that's not good.
1: Yeah, right? I wouldn't I wouldn't pass the military draft because I'm why? blind, <laughs> I'm not very tall, I don't have a lot of skills, <laughs> I just generally suck in general. <laughs> I don't like loud noises, mm. that'd be a problem for a while. Uh, yeah, a little bit. So so there's yeah. a lot of reasons why I would not be a good soldier. So
0: yeah, man, uh, respect yes. the troops, but no, it, it's a, a bad sign if that's happening. All right, let's get into the list. Number 10. The MLB draft that's coming up here in a few weeks. Dude, the MLB draft sucks. Well, that's
1: why it's number 10. Good. Not a great draft. It's bad. It's it's stupid. There's a hundred rounds. There are not There's 9,000 rounds. It's 20. There's 28 million rounds. Twenty rounds. There's a now. billion rounds.
0: There's infinite rounds. It just goes forever. There are 20 rounds of the MLB draft. It is longer than you would expect. Uh, the thing that why the MLB draft is lower is like yes, to it's a just certain too many extent. To care. Well, no, I I don't think I don't even know if that's what it is. To me, it's that you're not going to see these guys play for well, and also ever, possibly
1: the draft. Why have it in the middle of the season? That's stupid. Too. That's also
0: dumb. I agree with that. Um, but I guess I sort of get it because no, I guess I do get it because the kids are, are finishing their college season in like June or July. You're just going to have them not do anything for eight months. You know, that's kind of weird. So I I sort of get that. But like, what I don't understand—well, I do understand why. It's just unfortunate that in the NFL draft, your first-round pick, you're expecting them to cr- contribute right away. Yes. In the NBA draft, your player, you might pick in the first, or second round. They might be a rotation player. They might not. But you're still going to see them play in games. Oh yeah.
1: Well, if it's a you know if he's a lottery right. pick, he's probably going to be potentially yeah. a star.
0: Yeah. In the MLB draft, you might not see this guy you drafted in the first round for five years. Yes. It's like, oh, congratulations! So they,
1: you know, he gets drafted, and then in five years, you're like,
0: who? Yeah. Oh yeah, that
1: first round draft pick eight years ago.
0: I almost think they should just start tape delaying it all and be like, All right, this is what happened during the like five years later, twenty eighteen draft and then we can properly
1: right. react. No, think about it. That think doesn't about even it. make sense. If they when they're like, All right, we're gonna show you what happened during the draft. So we want them to do the draft and not tell anybody what Correct. happened. But then the players just show up on their respective teams. Yes. For five years. And then the draft they show us it's like a, so on it's like the a, TV so it's like a
0: time capsule. Is the one from three, four years ago where we can actually react and be like, man, that guy sucks. Or like, oh, that's great. What a steal. You know, That is that is quite possibly the dumbest <laughs> idea I've ever heard. <laughs> Alright, let's keep going with the list. Number 9. Drafting aerodynamically. So like in racing.
1: Okay, yeah, that's fine. You know, you drafting get behind
0: like NASCAR, you'll get behind another Dude, car, avoid I the wind. A, Happens in cycling. I was an
1: absolute menace on NASCAR 06. <laughs> Just drafting guys on Xbox and passing them. I was so good at that game. Yeah, I was really, really good. But then there was other times where I would just start a race on like Talladega, and then I would drive backwards, and try to get the biggest crash possible. <laughs> I think that was
0: half the appeal of the game for a lot of people. But see, I right was honest.
1: actually an NASCAR guy, so I actually mm-hmm. did like the. They had like I don't. I mean, it's, it's the equivalent of like a my, my career or whatever in NASCAR Six. My car, dude. It was awesome. My car, here. I was sick. I destroyed the competition. It was awesome. Uh, yeah, so drafting and
0: racing good helps you go faster, helps you catch up in races. Boom, in a number nine. Number eight, the NHL draft. That's on Wednesday. Okay. We're gonna yeah. actually do a game tomorrow. NHL draft prospect or something else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the NHL draft is is tomorrow. It's it's the reason it's lower on the list. Less people pay attention to it. Yeah, less people know about it. Less people care the big about thing
1: with it. The NHL draft, though, is you get some awesome names. You do. That's really the one redeeming quality yeah. about the NHL draft.
0: I also really like the format. So it's very different than regular drafts. It's it's unlike regular drafts where it's like this guy declares for the draft and then you draft him. They just draft whoever. So like there are certain stipulations. You have to basically draft someone who they have to be like in under the age, 20 or under or something like that, or years older or under. So basically they're yeah, a freshman you or you sophomore like get college. Them, You get their rights and then uh, basically there becomes a certain point where if you don't sign them, by a certain point, they just become free agents and they can just, you know, sign with, with whoever they want to. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a more interesting format. And honestly, I think it makes it very cool from a standpoint of like, you'll see a guy get drafted top five, possibly, who's a freshman at some good hockey school. And the kid will be like, okay, well, now I know where I'm going in the NHL. I'm going to go back for my sophomore season, though. I want to win a national championship. Then I'll go sign with that team at the end of the year. I think that's cool. I think that'd be cool if they did that in basketball, right? Hmm. Like, imagine if, imagine if, I mean, this doesn't really apply for Grady Dick because he he probably will get playing time for the Raptors. But imagine if Grady Dick would have, or I don't know, maybe Jalen Wilson applies. Jalen Wilson's a second-round pick with the Brooklyn Nets. And he has the opportunity to be like, You know, the Nets are like, hey, listen, man, we drafted you, we like you, but we don't know how much you're going to play this year. Like, let's just say we have enough players in front of you on the roster. He could be like, okay, cool, I'll come back for another year at KU, then I'll sign with you guys, right? I don't think that would happen in that scenario exactly, but like, there could be specific ones where it would, and I think that's kind of cool. Number seven A draft of wind. What? Yeah, a little draft of wind. You open the door, a draft of wind comes in.
1: Dude. The draft of wind sucks. What are you talking about? No, because- Number no, seven?
0: No. Dude, gusts Dude, of wind are bad.
1: if it's cold and you get a draft,
0: mm. it sucks. I guess dependent on the time, what but that could be why it's number seven. Well, because if it's during a hot summer day- There is no draft.
1: Yeah, that's not true. What do you mean that's not true? What are you talking about? In order about? to have a draft, you need to have- it has to be cold. No. What
0: do, you, what do you mean? You just you open two doors and boom, a draft. of wind comes in. You get a little. If it's hot wind, then it doesn't. It doesn't give you any relief, though. No, man. No, not at all. What? You know. What no. What do you mean? It's not hot wind. I don't know what you're what? talking about. Have you ever felt a real draft of wind when it's hot outside yes. and you open a window and boom, feels good. Not always. Yeah. Well, that's why it's number seven. Not always, but sometimes feels good. Number refreshing. six. Number six is the NBA draft. Okay. This would have been higher before this year. I was really unimpressed with this year's NBA draft. Took too long. Yeah. No idea who was picking the second round. I don't round. like, Lack I don't of analysis. like
1: uh, also like the idea of tanking in the NBA, I think, mm. hurts the draft also.
0: I did see somebody put out a good idea that I would have loved. They said you sh- they shouldn't do the NBA draft lottery until 30 minutes before the draft. I saw that also. That would be great. So you have all these teams being like, yeah, okay, if we pick here, this one's taken.
1: Yeah, and but, then it's just panic. I don't know after yeah. the lottery I mean, been like it would be chaos. Wouldn't that be great? You'd have more trades for good television. Yeah, I suppose and like people would maybe watch more live looks in the war
0: rooms as they're like, oh know. crap! I thought do, we were gonna do pick NBA first and we're six. Have sixth. war rooms? Probably not. I don't know. Maybe in like the NFL. War, I feel like I war know.
1: room is like almost strictly an NFL thing. Yeah, maybe.
0: I don't know. Right? Yeah, I guess probably not if you're only picking two guys. Like, is it really <laughs> I mean, necessary? You
1: need a war room for two. But
0: overall, the NBA draft can be fun. You know, it's in a number six. Number five. A final draft is in at number five. This is the okay. the progression of the rough draft. Right, you get to the final draft. The reason the the final draft is in at number five, you accomplished something.
1: You did something. Sure, you're done. You're done. Yeah. You don't have to worry about doing no, it when anymore. when you turn in your final draft of like a college essay or something, you feel pretty good. Well, unless it's unless it sucked and you were doing it at like 2 a.m. Sure, like when it was due. You know, whatever. But you just feel accomplished and yeah, that's true.
0: You have no more work to do from then on, which that's always an exciting look. Versus if it's the rough draft and the second yeah, draft, you, you, you still got to edit.
1: Draft and then it's just existential panic after that. Exactly. So it's great.
0: Yeah, final drafts, good. Number four, the NFL draft is in at number four.
1: Interesting. I thought this would have been higher, to be honest. Mm. Well, because I don't even know. Okay, never mind. You
0: yeah. don't know three other drafts? I can't. I don't, can't don't think know. of any others. No, I have no idea. <laughs> Okay. Uh, the <laughs> NFL draft is fun. It's fun to watch, fun to talk about, fun to cover. There does hit a certain point, though, where you're like on day three and you're. You, yeah, maybe the NFL draft
1: to me has the most hype for like yeah. the first round, but it also has the biggest drop off of like excitement after.
0: For sure. And actually, you know my mean? favorite, I like I like this day two the best. You get two rounds of action. I don't know. You,
1: you get like real football.
0: So, I don't know. There's and something again, fun s- about it.
1: It's kind of the same deal with. The NBA draft, where do you really need like the whole thing drawn out? Especially like the first round takes like four hours. No, probably like, is not. Is that really necessary? No, no. Of like, course Do you not. really need to see Roger Goodell kicking his feet off and <laughs> putting himself up in a recliner in his yeah. house? Yeah, yeah. It takes or, a
0: little like, bit you know, too long, whatever. but it's a fun thing. I look forward to it every year. So
1: you know, yeah. At number four. Yeah. No, I, I, it's 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 good. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I
0: like yeah it's good, but I don't think it's like perfect, which is why I can't put it in the top three.
2: Number three,
0: tweet drafts. What? You know, on Twitter, you can you can write something and Dude, then just save okay, it as no. a draft. This
1: needs to be not even in the top ten. Why? Because if a tweet is in your drafts, that means that it sucks and you're no. too afraid to tweet it. No, not at all. Oh, what I, do you mean? Yes, I use tweet drafts
0: all the time. For what? For stuff that I later tweet. It, no. it saves you so that you most don't have to, people,
1: Most people's tweet drafts, I guarantee you, are stupid tweets hmm. that are bad that they don't have the guts to tweet out, actually. Well, why would you or even write it? just dumb stuff. No, see, I use tweet drafts. I know people that tweet that, that treat tweet drafts as, like, the notes. Huh. Where they will type out a so note. You just use notes for that. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know.
0: The beautiful tweet drafts for me is I can be like, okay, I need to tweet this thing later in the day. I'm going to tweet it. I'm going to have it all now. And then when I'm busier later in the day, boom, all I got to do, go to my tweet drafts. boom, tweet. We're good. <laughs> I love tweet drafts. It's great. Oh, and okay. even sometimes there are times when like, I'll have ideas about something and I'll be like, you know what? I should, I should research this. Maybe this fun stat that we can talk about on the show. And I'll be like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna start doing the stat and then I'll, I'll save it and I'll come back to it later and then Wait, boom. Why don't you just use eventually that? Eventually once I... I could, but I know I'm going to tweet it eventually. So I'm like, I'll just use tweet drafts. Tweet drafts are great, man. I, I, I disagree. And if it does suck, you don't number have to tweet two. it. That's the beauty of that. it. I disagree. Uh, number two is draft beer. Mm. beer on draft okay. is great yeah. you ever go to a bar and you're like yeah. they're like, hey we have it on draft or bottle which do you want the only reason you ever pick bottle is if they're having a deal where it's like oh it's $3 bottles today but if you have the option they're the same price you are 100% taking draft beer every time because draft beer is just better
1: what's the science behind that
0: uh, I don't there know science? the science there's got to be some sort of science for sure I, I don't know it just is better um, yeah <laughs> wonderful question
1: Yeah, well, no, I I agree with that. You know, you go somewhere, and also, some people may like more, like, local beers, and those are normally on draft when you go somewhere, like, local, right? So Mm -hmm. that's always a positive. Are you doing the research right now? Yeah, uh, I have a couple
0: things. One says freshness is the biggest reason why. Um, Freshness has a significant effect on the flavor, which is why beer poured from a keg is expected to be fresher and tastier compared to a bottle. There's another part, uh, another thing that I found about um, dealing with the... Like the light or something like that. that what? Yeah, it's is like a consistent. Sunlight? I don't know. Uh, apparently, like, kegs and cans protect the beer from light at all times, but cans and bottles do not, and so there might be a more inconsistent taste. What? Um, and also, the beer has but to take I, a journey I, I through a draft line that's pushed through carbon dioxide and air nitrogen
1: comes out of the tap. I don't know. There's there's lots of reasons. I think I told you the story about the, the, an Arkansas fan who attempted to convince yeah. me at the Liberty Bowl that... Uh, he had developed a new type of beer glass. Mm-hmm. That's what they should. They should invent a beer glass that it's like
0: you're drinking beer on the tap. Will they invent that? Well,
1: uh, allegedly, I, I I think now it's been long enough to where I can officially debunk this and say that this is not true. <laughs> but the guy allegedly claimed that he had invented a or mm-hmm. helped create a. Beer bottle that did not require you to put Unless, it, put the beer on ice. What if it
0: is true, but then eventually when they were like going through the FDA or I don't know who they'd have to go through? Uh, what's the food like one? The
1: regulatory. Yeah, whatever. they
0: were like something failed with it.
1: Like it. Caused, that would be like bad. It, like it you guys drank that. Something?
0: Yeah, that would be not good. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, draft beer, delicious man. Right. Number two. Number one. Mm-hmm. Number one. Fantasy drafts. I was going to play the drum roll and you ruined it. I was so excited. Oh, my God. Fantasy drafts, though. Fantasy drafts in at number one. Who does not love a good fantasy
1: draft? Yeah, okay. I will say this. To me, fantasy drafts have fallen off a little bit. And here's why. Back in like 10 plus years ago, did you ever do a fantasy draft like in person where yeah. everyone printed out like a sheet of oh, paper great. with and you have all to cross the, it yeah, off and use the like highlighter? Ex- yeah, 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 yeah. Those, that's, that was like the peak of fantasy <laughs> drafting. Fantasy drafting now has, to me, gotten too analytical. There's too much mm. BS surrounding it. It's not so much just pick <laughs> players. There's like, you you got to do so much extra research. Okay. I just, it's just, it's annoying. Mm. It's, it annoys me. Okay, I still do have a
0: draft that we go every year and we do it in person. So that's always nice and fun. Yeah, that, I, I do agree with that that makes it even better. Yes, and then you have your friends better. like talking yes. trash to each other. Like that was a horrible exactly. pick, right? Yes. like those are fun. those like, are fun. Like, you're terrible. But this I think sucks. everybody looks forward to fantasy drafts. People like even do mock fantasy drafts just for fun. I know a
1: lot of mock. Drafts. Yeah, but that's. But again, to me, that's like, dude, why do you need to do a mock fantasy draft? It's fantasy.
0: Dude, fantasy drafts are great. It's great.
1: Fun to draft, mean, draft things. Fun to draft things. I I don't know if I put them number one. Okay. Because they haven't been consistently number one.
0: Wow. I I thought about making the beer drafts number one, but I was like, you know, some people don't enjoy beer. I haven't met somebody who just
1: like straight up is like, I hate
0: fantasy drafts, (laughs) you know? So Yeah.
1: I mean, listen, I don't love beer really that much. Hmm? Not a huge beer person, you know. So So you might not have either in the top two. I don't know. You might have tweet know. drafts,
0: number one. No,
1: definitely not tweet drafts.
0: <laughs> uh, he's next Springer. For me personally. <laughs> I'm Derek Johnson. That is our top 10 drafts. We have uh, Do We Give a Bleep coming up in about 20 minutes. You might not have given a bleep about that last segment, but too bad. I did. <laughs> uh, coming up next, though, some more KU football talk. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to RCST on KLWN. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We're gonna go deep dive into how much to expect freshmen to play at KU from the basketball team. Before we get into that, though, we have another world-wide award-winning, spectacular segment—segment
1: segment of all time. Of do As we voted by give a bleep? Me.
0: <laughs> and on this segment, like we always do, we're gonna tell you if we give a bleep or not. Pretty self-explanatory, right? Oh, first, I so. uh, Oh, yeah, I don't know. This is from the uh, New York Post. Pickleball's price. Popular sport may cost U.S. $377 million in injuries this year.
1: Wait, what? Yeah. So are they saying like unathletic people who normally don't exercise are like, well, let's go play pickleball, <laughs> and then they tear their ACL? Yep, correct. <laughs> <laughs> or they get bad injured or they injure their back or something, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So uh, pickleball is actually, awesome. actually bad. That is actually awesome. I, got, I actually give a bleep about that because I just think mm. that's funny. I just think that's funny. So basically, it's like, you know, people who don't exercise are like, oh, pickleball, break your ankle. Yes. Tear ACL. I recently Strain had a your friend back.
0: who uh, was playing basketball with some friends, and he tore his ACL. Just, like, pick up basketball. That is brutal. Yeah, you, we're, we're getting to that age where it's just like, if you just play, if you play any, yeah. you know, s- slow pitch softball, Dude, okay. basketball, Listen. the goal is to just not get injured. In
1: college at one point, I, like, fell down and hurt my knee, mm-hmm. like, pretty bad, and I just, like, iced it, and I never went to the doctor. I know something's wrong with it because it still <laughs> occasionally hurts. Yeah, that's I don't good. know if I tore something or what, but I never went to a doctor, mm. never checked it out. Are you ever going to? I, I think I'll have to at some point. Because I think it's—I think I'm just walking around with a blown-out knee. <laughs> I don't like, know, sir. You're gonna
0: have to get your knee replaced. You should have got this fixed ten years ago. What are you doing? Um, okay, so uh, do you give a bleep about that? Yes, because I think it's funny. You think it's funny that people are getting injured? <laughs> you think it's funny that they're having to pay exorbitant <laughs> medical bills? You think pain is funny? <laughs> yes. It's you funny. Sound like Michael Scott in the Office. You think doing drugs is cool? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I give a bleep because this is something, like, I'm not actually, like, a big pickleball player. I've never I I've played never pickleball played. before. I've never played. Once or twice. Isn't, it's it's, it's just, pretty fun. Isn't yeah. Isn't it
1: just tennis, except It's notch? almost like
0: tennis and badminton and wiffle ball mixed together with some other strange rules in there. I guess would be the best way about that that I would describe it. Uh, okay, the NHL draft is on Wednesday. That was our, uh, what, eighth-ranking draft. Do you give a bleep?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I don't really give a bleep, like... Am if am I going to see like who gets drafted in the top 5 or whatever via social media? Yeah, probably. But does that mean I give a bleep? No, probably not. I'm not going to watch it probably. So If you're not going to watch it, I, I feel know, like I guess, that Well, yeah. I guess you could not watch it but pay attention to what's happening. That's what I'm saying. Like I'll see like yeah. I will see what's happening. But does that mean that I actually give a bleep about it? I guess no. No, probably not. Like am I gonna, am I going to be like Oh, the Chicago Blackhawks drafted this guy. Yeah. Oh, the Dallas Stars drafted this guy. No, I'm not.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I give a bleep, but like to a certain extent. The other thing about the NHL that kind of irks me a little bit when it comes to the draft is every year there's the guy that's like the number one overall pick, like whoever's going to be the number one overall pick, and every year they're like. Could this be the next Wayne Gretzky? <laughs>
0: well, like, you love it this year because like, that is the conversation. I
1: know. That's because it's every year. Every year it's the same thing. Every year it's, this guy's going to get drafted number one. Could he be the next Wayne Gretzky?
2: <laughs> like, bro, I don't
0: know. I don't care. Well, this year it is a special draft. Between the number one pick and, and really the top four or five in the draft, they're seen as very good. I'm a Sharks fan; they're picking fourth, so this year I do really care about it. But like, how much will I tune in after the first round? I won't. So it's a partial give a bleep for me. Okay. You know. Sure. Fine. Uh, okay. The uh the match is happening on Thursday, which uh this year it's Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson versus Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I, I,
1: I just do not give a bleep. Sorry, I just don't care. The only only thing that I care about is making sure that Mahomes and Kelsey don't injure themselves. Other than that, I don't really care. Like, okay, when they did it last year or whatever year, when it was Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, Mm -hmm. like, that was kind of cool because, like, they had, like, that rivalry. Like, you know, it was – they had a good-natured, like, battle, you know. what Where's the connection between Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey? Like, what's the – what what what's the connection there? There isn't one. So it's just – I just – i just i don't give a bleep sorry i really don't i only care if Mahomes or kelsey just don't injure themselves don't get hurt other than that i really just don't care at all sorry okay um i give a bleep because i'll watch I, i'm i'm probably not gonna watch well i don't know what i don't even know what time it is on thursday unless there's like literally nothing else on which there very well might be it is set to tee off at
0: 5 30 central time on thursday See, why are they doing that? Why are they teeing off early? See, I was actually hoping it was like a 1 o'clock thing that we could just have on in the studio. Oh, I was yeah, like, oh, exactly. I'll watch it then. Yeah. Okay. Am I going to go out of my way Thursday night to watch? I'll probably have it uh, on a
1: TV. Yeah, I, I I don't think I'll watch it, no. Uh, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I will, get, I will get any notable highlights from social media. And again, as long as Mahomes and Kelsey don't get injured, which they're playing golf, so they shouldn't get injured. That would, would be a hope. disaster, yeah. Uh, so, other than that, no. Sorry, I do not give a bleep at all. Okay, uh, KU came in in the pro
0: football focus. It's like Elo, whatever that is, uh, that means for their like power ratings. Their Big Twelve power rankings in at 14th of the 14 team Big Twelve. Do you give a bleep?
1: All right, I'm gonna I'm going to say that I do not give a bleep, but I actually do. That's my stance. <laughs>
0: So you're saying you don't give a bleep because you, you don't want
1: to come because off I don't want as to like, come off as like oh I'm mad about some middle of June rankings of KU football okay. rah, rah, rah. but I, I, I don't give a bleep but I'm well, I'm saying that but I actually secretly am kind of mad about
0: it yeah okay um, <laughs> so you're mad in that you think it's wrong or you're yes. mad in that you're afraid that it's right
1: no I'm mad that it's wrong okay. I feel pretty confident that it's
0: wrong. That they're not going to finish 14. There's no way I, yeah. they're
1: worse than West Virginia. Well, I Sorry. I definitely feel like... But you can also spin it to be like, oh, I give a bleep because it's just giving more motivation to the boys. That's true. To do better. That's be true. Better. Well, okay. Here, here's where to be clear. Because if you look at
0: like the ESPN SP Plus, I think they're either 13th or 14th of the 14 teams. You look at Pro Football Focus, this is their power ratings. 14th of the And, teams.
1: and again, we talked about this. From the national perspective, yeah. can you blame anybody for thinking, oh, KU football is going to suck again? No, they've sucked every year for the last 15 years. Well, they had one season where they made a bowl game. Cool. Right. So I can't um, blame I can't blame anybody that, that that's not paying attention or following K football for sure. being like, well, KU's gonna suck. Like, I can't blame them. Well, no, and, and I think this is something
0: good to note from the power ranking systems. One of the best ways typically to figure out where you're gonna go is look at their past. It's it's like with Alabama football. Alabama football making the playoff like every year Does it mean because they made the playoff However many times over the last decade That they're going to make it this next year? No But wouldn't you rather bet with the streak? It's a safe assumption. It is, exactly And so like ESPN, SP Plus This is actually literally stated uh, From ESPN, uh, from Bill Connolly He doesn't say like how much what each thing Goes into it, but these are the following Factors that go into the SP Plus rankings Returning production, recent Recruiting, and recent history In addition to uh, your measure of efficiency so and all that sort of stuff. So if recent history
1: equals like the last five years, then of course, obviously you're going right. to be significantly dragged down right. because for the last five years we're bad. Yeah, and so it's it's good to
0: note those things because you know it's it's when you look at the rating systems, they're not meant to be exact perfect formulas because if somebody could actually figure out an exact perfect formula for how every season was going to go, yeah, I mean they would what, be a rich billionaire what makes and sports great. We, exactly, they're don't unpredictable. Don't know. it's the Nobody knows. That they don't know. Nobody so knows. My point of this is saying don't freak out when you see KU low on these power rating systems because it is taking into account their history. And you might be saying, well, that's stupid. Why should why should that be a part of power ratings? Because it actually does tend to work out for a lot of cases. It just doesn't really apply for Kansas because it is such a different era with Lance Leipold. So don't freak out. I don't really give a bleep for that reason. But it is something worth monitoring from the standpoint of like... Maybe there are certain reasons not to think this is going to be like a Big 12 title contender, I guess, right? Maybe. If you want to say that, whatever. Um, uh, Dennis Rodman uh, said, I don't, I don't know where he said this. Um, he said it on uh, some TV station. I don't I never even remember. He was asked on team. if Larry Bird could. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Vlad TV. TV. Is he on with like <laughs> Russia or something? Uh, on if Larry Bird could beat LeBron one on one. He said, if Larry Bird played in this era, I think he'd be in Europe. There's no way. I think the kid from Denver, Nikola Jokic, is way better than him. Yeah, I just... Do you give I a bleep just, about this comment?
1: I just don't give a bleep, no. Totally. No. I mean, like... Th- okay, I really thought that we were trending towards being past this stuff, where it's like, well, if LeBron played in the 90s, he would suck. Well, if this guy played in modern era, he would be terrible. You like, sound I really like Hulk thought-
0: Hogan right now.
1: <laughs> I really thought we were done with that stuff. But I guess we're not. I don't know. I mean the thing is is like from Dennis Robbins' perspective, why wouldn't you say this? Because when you do say it, boom, you get on SportsCenter. Center. Genius. It's genius level marketing. It is genius level marketing. But do I give a bleep? No. Because it's never gonna happen. Mm-hmm. You don't have a time you don't have a time machine. So I just don't I just don't give a bleep. Sorry.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't give a bleep to be clear about this either. <laughs> I former NBA player says something ridiculous. Oh, shocking! You know, uh, uh, Ryan Seacrest is going
1: to be the next host of Wheel of Fortune. Okay, I, I give. I give a bleep about this because, dude, Wheel of Fortune was like the background music to most to my childhood. Six thirty every night, family sits down for dinner, and for reasons unbeknownst to me, Wheel of Fortune is just on in the background. Every time, ta- every every dinner, every night for dinner, six thirty p.m. Boom, Wheel of Fortune's on. I don't know. Was that like that for you? No, not
0: really. We, I mean, I've I've watched it and we we've seen it before and stuff, but like, dude, I, I was never, like religiously music. watching it.
1: It was the ba- like, no, that was the thing. Nobody in my family watched it either. <laughs> it was just always on. That's the whole thing. They had this it's like, on again. It just it was like we would. It was never. People didn't. We didn't watch it. We didn't pay attention to it, but it was somehow always on. Okay.
0: So you had a Wheel of Fortune ghost in there.
1: I don't know. Um, I don't really
0: give a bleep about this, to be honest. Like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm not like saying I don't like Ryan Seacrest. I've just never been like a Ryan Seacrest like. Wow.
1: You hate Ryan? Well, Seacrest? No, no.
0: <laughs> wow. You absolutely despise Ryan <laughs> I've Seacrest. I've just never been you like hate a him Ryan more Seacrest than anybody in the world, like, dude. S- what stand, kind of person are you that you would just openly say how much you hate Ryan I'm Seacrest? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, did you see the one report though that Stephen A. Smith like applied for the job? <laughs> Could you imagine that? I actually, I, would watch that. I would have given a bleep if it was Stephen A. Smith. Because if somebody's Steve, like, yes. uh,
1: can I buy a vowel?
0: And Stephen A. Smith's like, that is blasphemy! <laughs> yes, exactly. <No. laughs> of course you can't buy a vowel. You can't buy a vowel, no. That would have been great. So yeah, I would have given a bleep if it was Stephen A. Smith. Ryan, it's unmitigated really goal to ask me to buy a vowel. No. <laughs> or they, when they guess like to finish the sentence, is completely wrong. He's like, <laughs> it's are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, yeah it would be great. Yes. Uh, but yeah, no, it was Ryan Seacrest. I don't really give a bleep. <laughs> Victor Weminyama is going to skip the FIBA
1: World Cup. Uh, listen, I got to be honest. I didn't even know the FIBA World Cup was happening. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you I just don't give a not, bleep about the entirety
0: of the I FIBA World don't
1: Cup. I no. Sorry. No, I don't give a bleep. No. But I think um, Okay. I will say, though, I kind of give a bleep. Are you how do, Are you in tune with, like, the deep fake stuff with, like, Apparently at Victor Weminyama's first shoot round with the Spurs, he didn't hit a single shot. I saw wait, that was a deep fake. Well no, it was like oh. no, it was like I did see allegedly that, though, yeah. that happened and then all the videos got deleted. So there's like conspiracy oh. the about them trying the to cover scrubbing up. Scrubbing the internet. Yes, that he sucks. Wow. Yeah, apparently.
0: They're not, not deep fake everything saying, like, we've seen him do good is actually staged. <laughs> it's a green screen, he's wearing stilts, and they've just like made it look good on camera. That would be wild. Could you imagine if somebody was able to like get a player drafted like doing that somehow and then they show up on draft? That guy would be
1: like on a draft profile, yeah. That'd be awesome. He's like seven five, but he wears stilts, mm-hmm. so he's actually like you know, <laughs> five two, right? It's great.
0: Um, I don't really skills. give a bleep about this I guess it would have been I, I don't know I'm, I'm probably not going to watch any of the FIBA World Cup so it wouldn't have mattered if he plays or not the story that I do kind of care about just because I think it's funny did you see the one uh, just in regards to the FIBA World Cup I guess Paulo Ben Caro could have played for Team Italy oh, really? but he ended up uh, denying them he's going to play for Team USA
1: oh that's interesting.
0: Which I, a lot of people were making jokes about online, which was kind of funny. Like sending the Sopranos to his door, like they were going to show up at his door. And this, I don't know, that was kind of funny. No, yeah, that is no, interesting. I don't, I don't but really like, also,
1: it. if you're Paolo Bancaro, and you've you've never been to Italy, you play in the NBA. Why would you play for Italy? Right? Maybe
0: because. He, like, okay, if, if the U.S. roster, but if he plays everybody for, in the U.S. True. was actually playing. If he played for Italy, playing,
1: he would average, like, 40 points a game. And, like, if everybody... would be playing with Marco and, you know, <laughs> Fabio.
0: Well, and, like, <laughs> racist? No, I don't know. <laughs> what? No. Uh, <laughs> and, like, it's it, if everybody in the U.S. who was good was playing, Paulo Bancaro wouldn't be one of the 12 best U.S. players. Like, if LeBron and, you know, all those guys. Yeah, but they true. don't. So, like, in his mind, he's probably like, it's either I don't play or I do but now that all the like now that Austin Reeves is on the team, of course I can make the U.S. team, right?
1: Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, I don't but If he goes it with though. the in Italy, if he goes to Italy, he's the best player, by yeah. far. Yeah. For well, are we forgetting someone? Is there like a really good like
0: Italian basketball player? I, so. I know there used to be like Andrea Barniani, oh Danilo Gallinari, Marco Bellinelli, <laughs> Nico Mannion. You want me to keep going? Nicolo Melli. <laughs> Uh Alessandro Gentile, Luigi Di Tome, Simone Fontecchio, Gianluca Basili. These are all guys that pop up when you search best Italian basketball player. Dude. Leonardo Bommaro, Paolo Banquero would be the best Pierre player. Luigi, playing with Margarite. Marco and
1: Luigi and Pierre and whoever. Exactly.
0: Okay. Uh, no, I don't really give a bleep, though. NASA has announced they can now turn 98% of human urine into drinking water. Okay, why?
1: Why are we doing this? Isn't that a good thing? No, no, I don't. I'm saying whose idea was it to be like, oh, I just peed. Let's turn it back into water. Why? What do you mean
0: that's a great idea? What is the purpose of that? Because what if we ever run out of water? You know, you have to find other ways. The world is 80% water. water. For now. It's actually going to be getting even more water. Because Of climate change, okay. But we can't drink ocean water, so we have to have a sustainable way. I think I don't know I if that's true or not. i pretty sure but you now do. you can do the same thing with you. I have here. no idea. I well, don't know. I, but isn't it going to be salty because it's salt water?
1: I, I, I don't, and if you boil it, I don't think. Plus, if you're in space, you don't have access to water, okay. Where it is, and where it is, where it could be good is like, yeah, let's say we want to go to Mars, mm-hmm. and instead of trying to get enough water to support a vessel going to Mars, which takes like five years. You give it less than that and then you just say, alright, just recycle your pee and keep drinking that until you get to Mars. Boom. Solved. Which, listen, I do not want to do that, though. Okay? Well, it's, it's filtered. I don't care. It's filtered. It's I'm the sure principle. Put it on
0: ice? No. Just like nice ice water? No. No? Pass. Okay. Um, I do give believe about this, though. I think that's uh, scientific development. Okay, well, then you get on the ship thing. to Mars
1: and drink your own pee and go to Mars. <laughs> okay. And,
0: and then tell me All how to right, report back to you. Uh, Royals announced that John Sherman will meet with the media. That's their owner, if you don't know, on Thursday morning. Do you give a believe?
1: I think I have to because it's probably about the stadium situation. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I guess I do. <laughs> you don't sound like you do. Like, <laughs> I really don't, to be honest. Because, like, he's probably just going to be like, oh, well, we're going to build a new stadium and we don't really care about what anybody thinks, and we're just gonna build it wherever we want because we only care about money. So, and oh no, and also we suck. We're the worst team in baseball.
0: No, I I don't give a believe because what is he gonna do? That's gonna be that. Yeah, you're right. Is he gonna fire someone? If he is, it doesn't really matter. No, they're just bad. He's not gonna fire um, anybody.
1: They're bad, and they're gonna build if a new stadium. stadium.
0: announcement, I know this is a. I, I know the stadium announcement moving to downtown is actually very controversial for a lot of people. Yes, it is. I I don't really care. <laughs> maybe that's controversial. I don't really care. Put the ballpark wherever you want. I don't care. <laughs> but there's like taxpayer money in yeah. You know, I understand why that comes involved. in. I no? I do get that. But like, that's just how these things go. I guess So you
1: just like it when the taxpayer gets screwed. maybe
0: it's maybe it's not that I I don't care about it because you're you're right. I don't want people to have to pay taxes for it. And I and do get think by a know, terrible team. Yeah, it's it's the the Bill Simmons thing. I think owners should pay for their own bleeping stadiums. Like, yeah, of course they should. <laughs> um, so I do I guess care from that standpoint. But I guess I've become so desensitized and numb to the whole pony and dance with the that stadium and getting actually, taxpayers yeah. that I'm just like expecting the inevitable to where I'm just like what if John brain Sherman, in autopilot mode. What if until Thursday this happens? morning
1: it's John Sherman Announcing that the Kansas City Royals are moving to Nashville Then that would be big Or yeah. you know moving to I don't know fill in the blank random mm. city Portland yeah uh, that'd be crazy know.
0: i'd give a bleep about oh, that i don't know no i mean i do, I do give a bleep about what he says but like north dakota i don't know i'm so West desensitized Virginia. to the whole stadium stuff I, i've seen enough of it texas alabama just naming states now not even Tennessee. cities <laughs> all right he's nick springer uh that is uh, two hours down one to go KU basketball deep dive coming up next this is rcst on klwn depending on Five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. It's more KU football talk coming up in our next segment. We uh, talked a lot. KU football already today. We do we give a bleep? Fun interview with Michael Swain. You can catch anything you missed on any of our shows on the Best of RCST podcast, wherever you get any of your podcasts.
1: Yes, I give a bleep about the podcast.
0: You do? Yeah. Okay.
1: Glad you, you should do. Too. Yeah. should, too. Yeah. Oh, Listeners should, too. I
0: do. Um, Okay, so I want this is going to be a fun little like KU basketball deep dive, because one thing that I'm always curious on is what does the past say? The past can be the best predictor. You know, sometimes we just we're kind of talking about that Um, about Bill Self playing young freshman. And not every recruiting class is, is the same. Some classes are better than others. So if you're ranked 18th in one class, that could be better than being ranked 18th in another class. Also, no. there are certain guys that are un- under-ranked. There are certain guys that are over-ranked. There are certain guys that fit a certain Bill Self system. There are certain guys that don't. There are certain guys that... Uh, are gonna be better at this specific role that the exact team needs, and sometimes that exact role might not be needed by that given team. They're I have a lot no of different-
1: idea what you're talking about because <laughs> the recruiting rankings is the end all be all. <laughs> okay. Whatever they are ranked, that's exactly what's correct. Yes. Okay.
0: So if you're like Nick, then uh, you're you're probably gonna be like, "What is up with this segment?" But <laughs> you know, for for the most part, um, I think this will give you a good intel about exactly what you can expect from the three freshmen KU is bringing in. So if you look at the 24-7 sports like composite rankings, Marco Jackson, uh, he comes in with a ranking of 21. Then you look at Jamari McDowell. He comes in at 110, and Marcus Adams comes in at 103. I know all those, uh, especially those last two, they sound low. That's just because, I don't know, Adams and McDowell are kind of slept on. Like, in the 24-7 only rankings, Adams is closer to being, like, top, I don't know, top 40, top 50. McDowell's, like, in the 70s. Uh, But nonetheless... You get two guys who are outside of the specific range that we're about to talk about. And it's funny, El Marco actually just sneaks in to under the list, which works out because we've talked a lot about El Marco being a key rotation player for KU basketball. So I, I went back and I looked at every single recruiting class that Bill Self has reeled in from 2003 through 2022. And then obviously adding in this class to, to kind of cross compare. Um, and so I looked at every kid, where they were ranked as a recruit, how many games they played, how many games they started, how many minutes per game they got in their time at Kansas in year one. This is not an exercise to talk about how good that player eventually turns out to be, just a good exercise to look into how impactful, how much did they play in year one as we're and and this will be a good lesson to remember whenever we talk about the rotation, whenever we talk about how much do we expect this guy or that guy to play, right? Okay, all making sense here? Yep. So since 2003, there have been 61 recruits or signees. There are certain, I I don't know, there are are different stipulations of this stuff. Um, Under Bill Self, according to 24-7 Sports, that were not in the top 22 of their year's ranking. Okay. So if we look at players... 61
1: guys, 23 or below.
0: Yes, 23 or below. Of those 61 players in that two-decade span of time, Players ranked 23 or below. Only three of the 61. That is not a very high percentage. In their freshman season. In their freshman season, averaged 20 or more minutes per game. And one of the guys on this list is pretty shocking, I would say. Yeah, Brandon Rush, uh, he was not ranked in the top 23 for reasons that I do not know. I don't know if it had to do <laughs> with... He was like a... I, I don't know what it was. If He was, was like a late
1: qualifier or if he reclassed into... Yeah. Well, and remember, you got to right. remember, you know... I would say the recruiting rankings in the past, especially that far back, were definitely more—I uh, don't know if "questionable" is the right phrase, right term—but like more unreliable than maybe they mm-hmm. are now. Well, like for instance,
0: Brandon Rush was actually listed as the number thirteen player in the country and the number two small forward on Rivals in two thousand five. So, I don't even know if he really counts for this, to be honest. It's just that in the composite, he was, I don't know, it was like in the 70s or something for some weird reasons. So, I don't even know if we count Brandon Rush. But if you did, 31.7 minutes per game right off the bat. I probably wouldn't as you're considering the guys in this year's class, right? That's kind of a special circumstance. Yeah. Uh, So, then you have Tyshawn Taylor, who Tyshawn Taylor, his 24-7 composite, he was ranked 93rd. He played 26.5 minutes per game. And then you have Baji, who he played 25.9 minutes per game, but originally he came in with the intention of red-shirting.
1: Yeah, that's the one that's most shocking. Yeah. He he was a redshirt until basically... He was
0: 139th on the composite coming in. Yeah. But that means that you basically have, if we don't want to count Rush, two of the 61 players who were not inside the top 22 even played more than 20 minutes per game as a freshman. Which means Marcus Adams... Tamari McDowell, good luck.
1: Probably not going to be playing. Which, I mean, to be fair, I mean, I think both of you and I, our expectations didn't have be them right being now that high anyway. are going to be like max 10 minutes a game.
0: 10, 15, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, there are some people who, who maybe they do think uh, they could get 20-plus, but go back to that set. And, in fact, of the 61 players that, again, classify, signed or committed, um, ranking on the composite of 23 or below – only eight of the 61 even played 15 minutes per game for 30 games or more, right? So I, I didn't want to look at somebody who, oh, they played 15 minutes per game in 10 games because they just <laughs> got in in like garbage time a lot in, in some of the bad games, right? Yeah. So you had Marcus Garrett, who played 39 games, 19 a game. Brandon Rush, who we talked about. I don't even know if you want to count him again. Tyshawn Taylor, 35 games, 26 and a half per game. Both Morris twins did it. Uh, Marcus was at 18 and a half a game. Markeef was at 15 and a half per game at 35 games each. Frank did it 16 minutes per game. Which
1: that one's a bit surprising to me too. Yeah. Because he, I think most people consider him to be like kind of a more of a late bloomer guy. Yeah, sure. Or more people fondly remember him in his junior and senior seasons.
0: I, I definitely think that had more to do with KU, like Nadir thing? Tharp, than it did yeah. if KU had like a, a legit veteran point guard. It's probably not happening, right? And then Christian Brown played 31 games, 18 and a half minutes per game. Uh, for what it's worth, Devontae Graham barely missed this. He averaged 18 minutes per game. He played 29 games. So if you want to include him and take out Brandon Rush, either way, you'd get 8 of 61. That's still not a very good percentage. That's no. what? One of every... Oh, gosh. Uh, one of every seven 8. Yeah, seven and a half, eight, something like that. So, I mean, that that's not a good number um, in terms of players that are not in the top 22 after year one or... that in-year-one are rotation players. And again, let me go back through the names here because something like Marcus Garrett, Brandon Rush, Tyshawn Taylor, Morris Twins, Frank Mason, Christian Brown, Devontae Graham. So the guys guys who are the exceptions here. Yeah, all
1: guys that ended up being phenomenal,
0: phenomenal players. So pretty much, you either, if you are an incoming freshman that's not inside the top 22, expect not to even play 15 minutes per game. And then if you do you're going to probably be a pretty legendary KU player is what this tells me. So what that means yeah. for this year's roster, going back to, to Marcus Adams and Jamari McDowell, like as much as we we have talked about both of those guys competing for that last rotation spot, that really is probably only 8 to 12 minutes per game, like maybe 15 at the most. But even then, what if it's if there's 15 minutes to go around? What if one gets 10 and one gets 5? Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. I think with with how this roster is currently constructed – even if those guys are talented players, it just there's just not really enough minutes at this point, we think, to go around to where they could even feasibly get to that number without bar, without some injuries happening or something like that, you know, that would allow them to get more minutes.
0: I think that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like So that's something else like you're referring injuries. to is like Kevin McCuller getting hurt or something yes, like that, yes, right? Yes. Yeah, that can lead injuries, to more minutes on the wing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's very interesting. But even then, like going back to the study here, even if there is an injury to Kevin McCuller, maybe that tells us that those minutes would just get divvied out with the the other guys very possible. Would, by, more minutes for Nick Timberlake, more minutes for Artario Moore. What happened so Marco when Kevin Jackson.
1: McCuller was hurt last year? It, the minutes did not go to, <laughs> to MJ Rice, <laughs> like ah
0: Jalen instead of playing 34, you're playing 38. Yeah, you and know, jo- and
1: you know Joe Yesu is going to yeah. play more minutes instead. So with that, even if you are a freshman guy and you're behind a a more veteran player, and there is an injury or something like that, that doesn't even mean you might even get any of those extra minutes. Yeah, 100%. Um, Now,
0: as as far as Omarco Jackson, he obviously did not apply there. He barely made the cut. Number 21 recruit on the 24-7 composite. Um, And and it's actually funny because this isn't just me altering the number. You might be like, oh, why would you pick the arbitrary cutoff of 22? Is that because you wanted to include Omarco Jackson? No, it actually worked out this way because literally, here are a couple guys who were the number 22 recruits. J.R. Giddens played 26 minutes per game as freshman year, 33 games played. And Grady Dick, who played 36 games as the number so 22 recruit. So basically,
1: if you had said top 20 instead of top 22, it might have skipped. Yes.
0: And like number 21 recruits, you might be asking. Bryce Thompson, who was actually on the lower end of what we're about to discuss, and Devon Dotson, who played 32 minutes per game as a freshman. And then that it's really not an arbitrary drop off because you go to the number 23 guys, there have been two of them. Micah Downs played 12 minutes per game in 13 games, and Silvio De Sousa played nine and 20. So, like, there actually was a real drop off between number 22 and number 23. It's not just me trying to sneak El Marco Jackson in to the sake of this conversation. Um, <laughs> so, Self has landed 20 top 22 recruits prior to El Marco, so Marco becomes the 21st. Um, I don't. Uh, do you want to count Billy Preston? Because he's part of that. He never played, right? So (laughs) It's just going to skew the data. Let's not count Billy Preston because he was number 20 on the composite, right? So then you have 19 top 20 recruits before El Marco Jackson for Bill Self. Those previous 19 averaged almost, this is average, 33 games played and 24 minutes per game. Every single one of the other 19 started at least one game. The lower mark on that was actually Sheck Diallo. I don't even remember which game he started, but I guess he – that should be a trivia question. What game did Sheck Diallo start? Keep that know. in mind for future RCST trivia.
1: Probably the game against North, Southeast Dakota State <laughs> that they played in you know, November.
0: I guess. But, like, every other one started multiple games. There are guys with lower ends here, like uh, Cliff Alexander was only six. Bryce Thompson was only four. Sherron Collins was three, though he was uh, six, man. I mean, that team was loaded at guard. Darrell Arthur had seven again. That team loaded at guard. Every other player on that 19 actually started double-digit games, for what it's worth. Um, And for the top 20 recruits, or the top 22 recruits, I'm sorry, who are only guards, let's eliminate the centers. Because if you notice there, some of the guys who I mentioned on the list who you know, they still played, but weren't as part of the rotation as much. Yeah. We're big men, where that seems to be a harder transition for Bill Self, like Sheck Diallo. If you go with just the guards, the low watermark for top 22 recruits under Bill Self in terms of minutes played per game is Bryce Thompson at 17.1, and then you jump up to Josh Selby at 20.4. Then mm-hmm. after that, You got to go to like Sharon Collins at 22.3, which again, took having veteran Mario Chalmers, Russell Robinson, Brandon Rush, those guys in front of him. So I guess when we look at it that way, I almost view that as saying the floor for El Marco Jackson is probably 17, 18, 18 a game,
1: 18 minutes a game. Right. Yeah. And the ceiling is probably high 20s, right? Yeah. Well, and the big takeaway here is like when you're a talented player, you get on the floor. No, it's a simple way of putting it, but it's very true. Yeah, yeah, like if you you are a talented player, you will play, period. End of story. And Elmarco Jackson, you know, we got to see him a little bit at the scrimmage. He's definitely got that explosiveness. He definitely can get to the rim. He definitely can be a shot creator, it would seem like, for KU. And it definitely seems like his skill set is going to have a role with KU in their rotation this season. So I don't think there's any question that he's going to get the chance to, to showcase all that and probably play a decent minutes per game, right? Uh, you know, I what I the other thing the exercise really stood out to me was I think when people look at Bill Self, they say, well, Bill Self, you know, does he really play freshmen a lot? Does he, you know, does he know he normally? I mean, what's what's the narrative with Bill Self? He trusts his veteran guys. Yeah. He trusts experience. Well, that's kind of true, but when he has a really talented freshman, they play and they play a lot. If they're really, really talented, so I don't think that should discredit El Marco, or I don't think that should, argument should be used against El Marco. Of, well, you know, Bill Self's going to want to play the more veteran guys. I don't know, man. If El Marco is 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 flashy, if he's aggressive, if he can score off the bounce and and you know utilize his athleticism, Bill Self's going to play him. Yeah, I, I think it's I think
0: it's that simple. Yeah, for sure. So I, I guess that gives you more hope on, on him. And, you know, I'm looking here. There are 17 players who came in right away and played 20 plus minutes per game for Bill Self. And all of them played at least 22 games, which Ochai was the low water mark. Here are the recruiting rankings of those guys. 22, 21, 83, which is rush. But again, that's kind of an exception. 1, 12, 6, 10, 93, there's Tyshawn. 15, 22, 139, there's Ochai. 17, 16,
1: 7, 4, 8. So, so what that tells me is it's not just if you are a top five guy. If you're anywhere in that range, you can be yeah. somebody who comes in and plays right away.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, as much as what you talked about with Bill Self, it's the guys he trusts. You know what else Bill Self likes? Athleticism. <laughs> right? It's not the be-all, end-all. MJ I mean, Rice couldn't get on the court. Right? I mean...
1: Bill self likes guys who can score and play defense. Yeah. So, I yeah, this, this should tell you that if El Marco is as advertised, he's going to have his plenty of opportunities to get on the floor for extended minutes. And I think, like I said, I think there is going to be a clearly defined role for him. Because think about what some of the other guys that KU has at the guard position do well. Is DeWan Harris a bouncy, athletic, super athletic guy that can score? That's not his game. Is Nick Timberlake a explosive, get-to-the-rim guy that can score? That's not his game. Is Arterio Morris an explosive, athletic guy that can get to the rim and score? Yes, but that's not really his calling card, is it? That's not really like his number one thing. Guess what? That leaves Elmarco Jackson with a very clearly defined thing that if he can hone that skill and be really good at it, KU, it's going to be something that is going to need. And if KU needs it and he has it, Guess what? It'll be on the floor. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I think that's a good way of putting it. So, I mean, with with El Marco too, it becomes interesting in terms of who's gonna be the backup point guard. I know that's really not a gigantic role. I, I will be genuinely interested to see. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna do a segment uh coming up at some point here in a couple days, uh about KU basketball and you know, how often does a returning starter play less minutes than the next season? Because I think it... The general inclination is to talk about what that means for K.J. Adams, and we will in in respect to him because that is the most interesting one there. But what does it mean for Dewan Harris? Because Dewan Harris played 34.2 minutes per game. We've seen Bill Self give Frank Mason, Devontae Graham in their senior years like 37, 38 minutes per game if he trusts you. But also part of that was they didn't really have another guy. Does, Harris, does DeJuan Harris' minutes stay the same? Do they go up? Or do they, because you have more point guard options, does it actually go down to 30 to 32 where DeWan can exert more energy on the defensive end because he gets those extra few minutes of rest? And I, if that happens, that's an even bigger role for El Marco and Arterio. Sc-
1: I don't see any scenario don't. where DeJuan Harris' numbers go down.
0: You couldn't see it going down to 32 minutes per game from 34? A little extra
1: rest? Nope, I don't see it.
0: No? Okay.
1: I do not see it. He trusts him way too much okay the only way I, I mean the only way I could see it is if like is if Dewan is just his offensive game is just totally stagnant like in terms of scoring like if he just if he doesn't develop any sort of ability to shoot threes that are not uncontested if he may, or let's say maybe he has a stretch in the season where he's just having a very very hard time getting to the rim very very hard time driving very very hard time with all that stuff maybe maybe. And even then, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that? I, I think that's pretty fair.
0: I think that's fair. So, I mean, if if you are going to say it's going to be the same or more, then then you are only talking five to six minutes per game that you have available for the backup point guard. I think that'll be a very interesting competition coming down between Arterio Morris and El Marco Jackson. Both are going to get minutes. Both are going to get, like we said with El Marco, probably floor 18 minutes per game, ceiling maybe high 20 minutes per game. But the difference of reaching your ceiling versus your floor, it might just come down to who gets that handful of minutes with uh, DeWan off the bench. But I don't know, just some interesting data and and stats and and thoughts I think there that, yeah, any of these players, of course, could be the exception to the rule. But are you going to bet on it? Are you going to bank on it? Probably not. So um, I don't think what I just talked about or what we just reviewed, those numbers necessarily go any different than how we've been projecting the rotation all along. I think if anything, it cements it and kind of confirms what we've been talking about. But yeah, El Marco expect 18 to high 20 minutes per game, depending on floor versus ceiling. And uh, for Marcus Adams and Jamari McDowell, it's probably an uphill climb to, you know, if you can get 10, 12 minutes per game, that might be on the high water mark. maybe up to 15 minutes per game, but it certainly will be an uphill battle from there. Yeah. he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, coming up next, we'll, we'll talk more about KU football's newest recruit, a offensive lineman commit for the class of 2024. We will also talk uh, a little bit about the College World Series with LSU winning the title
1: over Florida. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN and Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.